Welcome to the Maranatha Baptist Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this class from our Equip Ministry will be a blessing to you and will grow your love for Jesus Christ. We would encourage you to use it only as a supplement to your regular intake of God's Word in your local church. If you need help connecting with a local church, please reach out to us on our website, mbcgrimes.org. All right, you can tuck that away. We'll come back to it at the end uh, in our time of prayer. For now, we'll uh, go over to our class notes. Should just have a half sheet. It says living at witness, living as witnesses up at the top. Uh, we're going to work down through that tonight. Uh, this class is just a six-week class, and we have a very simple outline. You see it there on the screen. Pray, meet people, tell them about Jesus. Uh, so last week we talked about prayer in regards to evangelism. This week we're talking about meeting people. And then for the last four weeks, we're going to talk about telling them about Jesus. That is, for most of us, I think, feels like maybe the, more, the most complicated part of the process. How do we do that, and what do we say, and so on and so forth. So we'll dig into that one. But tonight, we're thinking about uh, the task of meeting people, building relationships. Um, let's briefly review, I'll, uh, but anybody remember some of the things we should be praying for when it comes to evangelism? We talked about this last week. What should we be praying for in regards to evangelism? Jay. Boldness. Good. Others. Opportunities. Good. Laborers, yes. Going once, going twice. Yeah, Rod. Yeah, that they would be converted, right. Yep. Any others? Yeah, that the word would go forward effectively. Good. Good. All right, that's a pretty good review. There are a few more, but uh, we'll press on with meeting people. So keep thinking through uh, your prayer life and how you can be praying about that, those things. So by God's timing, this was not planned, uh, but tonight's lesson begins in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where we were Sunday. Uh, so we get to look at that passage again um, and think a little bit about why it's important that we meet people. Why is it important that we meet people? So uh, we'll talk through some of these ideas here. As you remember from Sunday, if you were here with us, in this section, the Apostle Paul is explaining his own motivation for ministry. Why is it that Paul has given his life to sharing the gospel? Uh, Why is that his focus, to, to sharing the message of peace with God with lost people? You know, sometimes we think of Paul's life and we think, well, he was unique, and it's true. He was unique, right? The Lord had a special calling on his life. But as we work through 2 Corinthians 5, I think you're going to see that what Paul credited as his main motivations are things that are actually true for all of us. And so while, yes, he was an apostle and we're not apostles, and he had this, you know, amazing conversion on the road to Damascus, and, you know, we didn't have that exactly, and etc., I think we do have the same kinds of motivations uh, that can drive us um, that Paul had. And so we'll talk through that here uh, briefly tonight. 
First of all, we notice in verse 14 where Paul says, The love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. So the first thing why it's important that we meet people is that Jesus died for all sinners. He died for everyone. This compels us to tell everyone about Jesus' love. This is really a cool thing. No matter who we meet, we can say to them, Jesus loves you. He gave his life for you. I just think that's awesome, right? We don't have to kind of look at somebody and wonder like, well, maybe Jesus doesn't love them. I mean, they're pretty evil. No, I mean, the answer is clear. He died for all. And so when we work with people, when we meet people, uh, we have that foundation. And the fact that his love is that large uh, adds weight to the fact that we need to tell people about Jesus' love uh, and what he did for them. When we don't share the gospel, it's almost like we're saying that Jesus' love isn't that big of a deal. It's not that valuable to us. And uh, the reality is that people need to know that they're dead without Jesus and that their life with Jesus is already paid for. Next, we notice that we who have been saved are to love him and live for him. We see this in verse 15. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So those who find life in Christ, the logical conclusion is that then we would live for Jesus. That we'd stop living for ourselves and begin living for him. That's what this life is all about, living for Jesus. Uh, And it's easy to get off from that, to get distracted to other things. Um, But that's really what it's about, being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Next, we notice that we are to see people as souls in need of salvation. Here's where we come back to verse 16, where the Apostle Paul says, "...therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh." Even though we have known Christ according to flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. So they knew Jesus as a man. He, he had a, a physical body and they, they knew him. He was a carpenter's son, right? And he did that work himself. And then he had ministry and they, they knew him according to the flesh. That's why sometimes when Jesus was teaching, they were kind of like, well, wait, isn't that just Joseph's son? I mean, what's the big deal here? Uh, but now they know something more of Jesus. By his death and resurrection, and through his miracles, Jesus proved who he was. He's the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah. And so they, they have this greater picture of who Jesus is. And because of what he did on the cross, they've now received new life. Right? Verse 17 talks about that new life. Uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. As a result of Jesus, now they're not just physical human beings with dead souls. Now they have life, spiritual life in them. And so I think what Paul is saying here, we, we see people differently now. It's not just, oh, there's a carpenter, or, oh, there's a so-and-so or whatever, but we see souls, eternal souls in need of a Savior. That's what Jesus proved by his death and resurrection, uh, that life is bigger than just this life. <laughs> And, uh, and people need a Savior. Uh, so I think that changes how we see one another, how we see people. Um, we don't just look at the outward. We need to see people as souls that will spend eternity somewhere, and uh, we need to have an impact on them in that way. So here's a question. How might a focus on outward things, how might a focus on outward things hinder evangelism?
If we focus on the outward person, how might that hinder evangelism? Okay, there might be certain people out there that we don't want to talk to. Yeah. Weird people, as you said, Kurt. What else? Yeah. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, too much of a focus on the externals can distract us in conversation, right? What else? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I become the judge of who's worthy of the gospel or who might be interested or not interested, but do I really know? Is that my task to decide? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yes, ease. Yeah, so to make assumptions based on what you see on the outside is a lot easier than getting to know a person and what's really going on on the inside. So well, well put. Yeah, well put. Other ideas. How does a focus on the outward actually hinder evangelism? Good. Yeah, we don't get to the roots of what's going on with their soul and their need for Christ. I think we can miss sharing the gospel with people, but on both sides. So there's kind of what Kurt said, or there are those people that, you know, we look at them and are like, I I don't even know how I would relate to that person, you know, or what would I even say to them? Uh, So there's those maybe conversations that we might avoid, or people that we think, oh, they would never, they're too far. They would never trust in Christ, you know, well. Who might have judged that? But then there are those people that we might look at on the outward and say, wow, they're a Christian. They've been a Christian their whole life, you know. But maybe they're not. Maybe they need the gospel, right? And so I think the outward can cause us to make assumptions on both sides of things um, and and not be as gospel-focused as we should be. Good. All right, let's continue on. Next, in verses 18 and 19, we see that we have been entrusted with this ministry. And here we see just such an interesting thing to me. The Apostle Paul is describing God's work of reconciliation, which is just this huge concept in salvation that God has, in Christ, made a way for us to be right with God, for our accounts to be reconciled, so to speak. Um, and we talked about this a little bit on, on Sunday, that because of Jesus, our list of sinfulness can be cleared, placed on Jesus and paid for at the cross. But not only that, as we read in verse 21, our list can then be filled with the righteousness of God, divine righteousness. So then when compared to God's divine righteousness, it matches, right? There's peace, there's agreements between the two lists. Just an incredible, incredible truth. But there's a corollary in verses 18 and 19, which really stood out to me this time studying this passage, that not only 
in God's work of reconciliation, did he make us right with him and put us at peace with God, but he also gives the reconciled a task. So you see it in verse 18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us a ministry of reconciliation. So those who are reconciled have a ministry of reconciliation. They have this task of helping the world understand you can have peace with God. God's provided a way. And again, this comes up in verse 19. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And what else? And has committed to us the word of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation. When we know the way to have peace with God, we then are entrusted with this task of telling others about the way we can have peace with God. We've been entrusted with this ministry. That job is actually called being an ambassador. In verse 20, this is part of who we are as a new creation back in verse 17. (laughs) One of the things that God has made us in Christ is an ambassador. Now, that's really interesting to me. We, We take our earthly jobs really seriously, right? Think about it. Uh, When you have a job somewhere, uh, just as a general rule in American culture, we take that pretty seriously, right? You have a title, a salary of benefits, you want to show up to work on time, you want to be a faithful employee, you're thinking about, you know, representing your company well, maybe that there's ways to move up in the company, getting along with your coworkers. I mean, a lot of our lives revolve around our jobs. But think about it, you as a believer have this title, Ambassador for Christ. Wow, that's a big title. When you think about ambassadors in the political realm, they represent the ruler, right? So the United States has, has ambassadors to various countries to represent the interests of the United States in that location or in that relationship. I think about our opportunity to be representatives of Christ, specifically representing that message of peace. Um, as you look at verse 20, what specific task are ambassadors to do? According to verse 20, what specific task are ambassadors to do? Yeah, yeah, and that's interesting. It's not just my appeal. This is God's appeal. As if God were pleading through us, <laughs> right? And we, rec- we represent that to the world around us. Be reconciled to God, right? I mean, that's amazing. And it shows the heart of God here for people to know that they can have peace with him. And part of how we represent him um, is to let the world know that God desires them to be reconciled to him. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. How does your job as an ambassador for Jesus, how should that change the way you view your life? How should your job as an ambassador for Jesus change the way you view your life?
Yeah. That's right. Yeah, my purpose is not just to do whatever I want or whatever I feel like or please myself or all of that. Yeah, but to, to live for Jesus. Good. Rod, did you have something? Uh-huh. Yeah, looking outwardly instead of inwardly. Good. Other ideas. Yeah. You're an ambassador. You're always on mission. Yeah. So you're, that's, that's your focal point. That's your purpose, and everything lends to that. Yeah. Yeah, you're always on mission. It's, everything revolves around that. There's no, like, off-duty time or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, good. Other ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that 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 phrase in scripture, "walking worthy," that my my life, my practice represents Jesus well in every context. Yeah. Other ideas. Yeah. That's right. Right. Yes. Yeah, it's super foundational to who we are all the time. It's not like, oh, it's a Sunday, so I'll put my Christian hat on today and go do the Christian thing. Oh, take that off and go to work and put my work hat on. No, the ambassador for Christ is, is all the time. Yeah. Yeah, good. So, how, how would somebody know, right, if we're an ambassador, how would somebody looking at my life get the sense that God is pleading through me for them to be reconciled to God. Like, what does that look? Do you see that phrase? I mean, it just is an interesting phrase. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. Like, what things would you see in my life when it would be clear to you, whoa, I can tell by his life that God really wants me to be at peace with him. <laughs> what, what does that look like? What would you see in my life to know that, that it would be clear to you that God really wants me to be at peace with him. Yeah, Sheila. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh, good. Just the details of being a winsome person, a kind, respectful, yeah, all those things, good. What else? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so showing, you know, if, if God really wants them to be at peace with him, there's going to be some degree of care and compassion uh, that I'm going to show to people. Good. What else? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Yeah, so not only just 
being friendly the first time, but showing that care by, the, by following up and showing that it's genuine. Yeah. Other ideas? Yeah. Hmm, yeah. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right. So ultimately the gospel has to verbally be shared for people to be open. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, they can't find peace with God until they hear the gospel, can they? Right, yeah, exactly. Good. So yeah, I'm going to be excited to share that with people in a, in, a, in a loving way, but of course, yeah, that message has to be there. Good. Any other thoughts? Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. Exactly right. If I'm an ambassador of God's peace, right, I, I got to be a forgiving person as much as I can. You know, Paul says in Romans 12, right, as much as lies in you, dwell at peace with all men. Right? If I'm an ambassador of God who's saying, be at peace with me, right, that gospel forgiveness and, and love and peace ought to be present in my life. Yeah, well put. Yeah. Well, no, no, and this word is the, the verb form of the noun, paraclete. Mm-hmm. You have to go where the people are. Yeah. In order to plead with them. That's right. That's right. So I'm pursuing people. It's exactly right. Yes. Yeah. What kind of ambassador am I if I'm just off by myself somewhere? You know, it's like, is that really what it looks like for God to be pleading with people to be at peace with him if I kind of a recluse, right? Yeah. Is recluse the right word? Yeah, okay. Uh, Good. All right, let's keep going. Good discussion there. Next, we have been made the righteousness of God in him. This is verse 21. And that word for, at the beginning of verse 21, for he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That really shows that this theological truth in verse 21 is, is the grounds of all that has come before it. It's just the, the weighty reason that Paul is doing all of this. God has done a reconciling work. And for that reason, it's important that we do our job as ambassadors. We have been made the righteousness of God in Him. And that incredible weight of God's righteousness, the kindness of God to do that, compels us uh, to, to, to share the gospel with others. I'm good with God because of Jesus. Everything's fine between me and Him. So I, got, I can stop thinking about myself and think about others who need to be right with God. Um, and so the righteousness of God is very freeing in that sense. Okay, so your summary statement there at the end. Uh, it's my life's purpose to see every person as a soul for whom Jesus died to seek a relationship in order to share the message of the gospel or the message of reconciliation, however you want to finish that, but it it means the gospel, to share the message of the gospel. My life's purpose is to see every person as a soul for whom Jesus died. I I don't see people as their outward appearance anymore. I recognize them as souls with an eternal destiny then to seek relationship, to seek them out, to go after people as if God were pleading through me, be reconciled to him. And then the goal of that relationship is to share the message of reconciliation. So now let's think practically of how, how we can, can begin doing this 
And uh, we're going to try to take our cues from the New Testament and notice how the Apostle Paul went about in his role as ambassador. And, I, you know, I'm not saying that Paul did it perfectly, but he's uh, at least the, the record of the you know, most successful missionary we've ever seen uh, after Jesus. So, um, so, yeah, I think he's a fine example to look at how Paul went about being an ambassador. So first of all, the the one that's not a blank is to pray. We covered that last week. Uh, To be asking the Lord for opportunities, for open doors, for boldness, many of those prayer requests. Uh, Asking the Lord to lead you to the right encounters and to have the the patience, the eyes to see, hey, here's a person who has some interest. Maybe this conversation will lead to the gospel. Um, Pray for God's help to do that. Um, All of those things are things we can Pray. So here's a quick discussion question. How might praying regularly for opportunities to share the gospel change the way you see people through the course of the day? Think about that. How might praying regularly for opportunities to share the gospel change the way you see people through the day? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of in the back of your mind, right? Ooh, is this is this the open door? Is this the opportunity? Yeah, good. What else? Other ideas? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, your heart towards people is going to be different. Uh, good. Other. Other ideas? Well, it reinforces your mission as an ambassador. It's kind of like reviewing this is what I'm about. Yep. Yep. It's like a daily review. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here's the task today. Meet people and look for those open doors to share. Who, who's the Lord going to bring across my path today? Good. Okay. Any other thoughts on how prayer might affect the way we go through the day? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. Excellent. Yep, very good. All right, so the next step that I would encourage you to take is to find a platform. So we're going to do a little uh, a study through the tactics of the Apostle Paul, okay? So I need uh, five volunteers uh, to read our, our verses in Acts there. Uh, so if you volunteer, you'll get all the verses from a, from a specific chapter. So somebody do 9, verse 20, somebody do 13, 5, somebody do 14, 1, uh, 16, 3, etc. So, yeah, anybody volunteer for 9, 20? Okay, Amy, somebody for 13, 5 and 13, 14. Rod, somebody for 14, 1. Kurt, feels like an auction almost. Uh, 1613, take that one. Ethan, thank you. 17, oh, this one's big. You got four verses for chapter 17. So who's willing to do the four verses for chapter 17? Boy, I scared you all now. (laughs) Kevin, all right, thank you. All right, so as you listen to these verses, um, I want you to notice the patterns, okay? What did the Apostle Paul do to find a platform 
to share the gospel. Okay, so see what patterns you notice about Paul's actions in, in seeking people out with the goal of sharing the gospel. All right, so let's, we'll read them in the order they're listed there, so I won't even call on you. When it's your turn, just, just go for it. Okay, in verse 14. Okay, 14. Okay, 16. Okay, and 17. The first time I read verses 2 and 3, because they kind of go together. Perfect. Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying, This Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. Excellent. All right, excellent. Thank you all for reading. Uh, what, what did you notice about Paul's patterns? What stood out to you? He went to the people. Good. What else? He reasoned with them. Good. What else? Yeah, went to the place of worship. Good. Uh, typically, the synagogue is one example. He went to the riverside where there was a gathering for prayer. Good. What else? Yeah. He's pretty persistent, right? Get to a place, right to the synagogue. Repeatedly, right? I think it was your verse, Kevin. Is three weeks in a row, you know, he's going back. Yeah, time. Good. What else? All right, good observations. I'm going to point out a few more things, uh, and then we'll kind of close here. But yeah, basically what I encourage you to do is find a synagogue and go there, preach the gospel, and problem solved. I mean, this is evangelism, right? No. Okay, so the principles that we're going to apply from how Paul acted, you know, we're making a bit of a jump here. So the synagogue was a religious place where ideas, religious, spiritual ideas were being interchanged regularly, right? So, I mean, it's just a cool platform. It makes a lot of sense why Paul went there first. Now, part of it had to do with God's command to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. So he started with the Jews, and as they, some accepted, some rejected, then he'd move on to the Gentiles. That was part of his pattern as a command from God uh, for Paul. But um, the synagogue is just a really logical place to go because it's where religious conversation was accepted, 
is normal, is practice, it was, it was, you know, welcomed in a sense. And so for him to be able to go there and teach about Jesus just made a whole lot of sense. So really logical decision on, on Paul's part there. The question is, what, what does something like that look like for us today? I think there are a few synagogues around you could probably find, but that's not how we apply what Paul's doing here. So I've put together a few ideas that are helpful for us as we seek to find what could be called a good platform to share the gospel. First of all, it needs to be a place where there are plenty of people. Plenty of people. You notice that the places that Paul went were, were gathering places. Not only was he going to cities where there were a lot of people, but then he went to the gathering places in those cities, like a synagogue, a marketplace, right? The exception might be uh, the riverside, but even there, the point is made that it was a place he knew that the women gathered to pray. So he, he chose places where there was a high potential for meeting a lot of people, right? Uh, Next, it's a place where conversation is welcomed. Conversation is welcomed. Uh, these were places of interaction, of discussion. And so as we think about platforms, it ought to be a place where you're welcome to talk, <laughs> right? Maybe not the best platform for you to choose, you know, like maybe being a librarian or something like that. Um, you know, shh, right? you can't really have conversation there. Yeah, sure, you might meet somebody that... You could meet at a coffee shop later to talk about the gospel. But you understand what I'm saying. It needs to be a place where conversation is welcome, where it's allowed. A place where you can connect regularly. Uh, so I think it was Ethan pointed this out. We read it in chapter 17. Paul went back to these places regularly. He built relationships. You know, how many times in the book of Acts did we notice people saying, hmm, I'm going to hear you again on this matter. Right? They wanted to come back and hear Paul another time, hear what he would say. And so platforms are good when, when there's regular meeting. They can see your life a few times in a row. And it's not just this, you know, show up on a milk crate on the street corner and uh, they see you once. But if there can be regular interaction, that's healthy as well. Next, there's a clear path toward opportunities to share the gospel. Now, for Paul, it worked out really well because a synagogue was exactly the kind of place where he could enter in and once he's given permission to speak, I mean, he can just share the gospel. That's like, it fits perfectly there. Those types of settings are a little more rare in our culture. Uh, But as Kevin was sharing and as we've highlighted, our very ministry is the message of reconciliation. So it's not enough just to be a a good testimony places. We, We need to have a path to sharing the gospel. That's the goal. If people are going to be at peace with God, they, it's not going to happen just by seeing my testimony. And I need to have some plan, some method to get to the gospel. Um, what's that look like? And that can, that can look like all sorts of things. Um, but what's my plan to get from meeting people, getting to know them, to eventually sharing the gospel? There, there's got to be some kind of clear path. I really liked uh, the, the way... I think I got this from my cousin, Mike Augsburger. Um, I don't remember. Oops, went the wrong direction. Oh, no, it's not up there for you. You have the quote in your notes. Build relationship bridges that are strong enough to carry gospel truth. Uh, It's just kind of a fun metaphor, a fun picture. As you connect with people, you want to build that sense of trust, kindness, relationship, so that when you share the weighty truths of the gospel, it'll make it all the way across the bridge, and they'll hear you, they'll understand um, and uh, hopefully sense God in you pleading with them to be reconciled to God uh, in that role as ambassador. 
Uh, so as we close, well, any, any questions on what I've shared so far? What we're going to do next is just brainstorm some ideas of what a platform could be. So, yeah, Kevin. Right. And maybe it's better to speak sooner rather than later and back it up with good works. Right. Right. Yep. Exactly right. Yeah, we, we can invest, uh, you know, for who knows what reason, fear of, of sharing, fear, you know, whatever. Uh, we do all the investment in the good testimony, which is, there's a place for that, but we permanently delay the actual sharing of the gospel. Right. Right. Good point. Good. All right, so let's brainstorm a little bit. What could be a platform, right? So if not the synagogue of the Jews or the marketplace or uh, the riverside where the women went to pray, uh, what are some ideas of platforms? And as you're thinking about that, let me introduce to you two kind of types of platforms. One is what I would call uh, where you're doing deep work, okay? And that would be friends, family, and neighbors where there's long-term relationship. And, you know, it might be the right place to share the gospel right away, but my point is those people aren't really changing very often. Your family's your family. Uh, You know, unless you move, your neighbors are your neighbors. And so in in those cases, you know, the the first year you meet them, they they might not be ready to trust in Christ. It might not be God's time for them. So you share the gospel and they reject it, but they're still your neighbors. So you don't give up on them, right? You keep trying, keep praying. Uh, your, your unsaved brother, your unsaved sister, whatever, right? You, just, you don't just give up on it. So they haven't trusted Christ yet. You keep praying, you keep working, you keep conversing, right? So that's what I mean by, by deep. They're, they're, they're long-term. And we know with the gospel, we just can't, we can't make somebody get saved, get converted, right? Um, so those are the people we're, we're praying for over the long-term. Lord, bring them to Christ. Maybe you've already shared the gospel with them three or four times and you're still looking for another opportunity to do so. So there's, there's that side of it where you want those platforms, neighbors, friends, family, etc. There's also a side where you want to be just meeting a lot of people. And you can sort of sense who's interested and who's not. And it's not that you give up on people, but it's in that category where it's okay. If, you know, I met five people, but only one of them showed any interest in doing a Bible study with me. And so I'm going to move forward there. And if anybody else shows interest, great. But in this category, it's just helpful to meet a lot of people where, you know, the two or three or four out of the hundred that show interest, you can invest in them. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that distinction makes sense, but we'll kind of have both or should have both going on in our lives where in one category, I'm just, there's just a lot of people that I'm uh, meeting and, and interacting with. And hopefully the Lord brings along somebody who's, who's ready to hear the gospel and interested in it. And those that aren't ready yet, I'll trust that you know, the next person down the line who shares the gospel with them, uh, the Lord will bring them across their path. But then we have also those people that we're praying for over the long term. They're dear to us. They've not trusted Christ yet. We're still working on them. We've shared the gospel before. We're going to try again, etc. Okay? So that's just something to think about when it comes to platforms. There's sort of two types uh, there that you could think about. Okay, so what other ideas do you have? What kind of platforms... Could you establish in your life to give you regular opportunities to interact with people who don't know the Lord and hopefully share the gospel with them? What ideas do you have?
I have some. Don't worry. So if you draw, yeah, Sheila. Culvers, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Something as simple as even at a restaurant. Uh, the downside there is typically if they're on the clock, you know, they may not be able to sit through a gospel presentation. But, uh, you know, to be a good testament in the restaurant and then to say, hey, would you want to come to a Bible study or would you want to come to this event at church? I'd love to tell you more about what we believe um, and then maybe have that open door through something like that. Good. Other ideas? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Other ideas? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Some of the, some of those regular things. So uh, g- a gym membership or you might see people regularly or yeah, local moms and kids groups or um, yeah, all, all those things. Good examples. Yeah. Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Same person at the grocery store. Other ideas? Any hobbies or pastime, whether someone mentioned the gym, but it's sports, whether you're watching sports or playing sports, a uh, hobby, I'm more into genealogy, not lifting weights. <laughs> you know, but whatever it could be. It could be a singing group. It could be whatever. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's crazy. So whatever community you live in, I know this Grimes, I get it mailed to my house, but every year they send out the the Grimes Parks and Rec activities. And uh, just about every interest you can think of, there's some club in Grimes that meets to to do it together, right? And uh, man, something like that, it's a sign up or on a weekly basis, you're playing pickleball with people or you're, or whatever, uh, studying genealogies or, you know, anything. It really doesn't matter too much. But you go to that with the intent of, you know, getting to know these people and that clear path to sharing the gospel with them. Uh, what a cool opportunity to, uh, to meet people um, and, and kind of establish that as a platform. Uh, so here are some other ideas, right? So uh, the Grimes Library has a book club. They read a book every month and discuss it. And boy, discussing a book is a great chance to uh, get some gospel truth in there. Um, outreach bag delivery. So uh, Wednesday, our outreach team delivers bag to the new move-ins in Grimes on Wednesday nights. For whatever reason, Wednesday nights don't work great for my schedule. So... Um, <laughs> Carrie and I, uh, not right now because it's cold outside, but uh, anyway, the warmer months, uh, we will often, like once a month on a Tuesday night, uh, we'll deliver bags to doors because that works better for us than a Wednesday night. So just because Wednesday nights don't work for you doesn't mean you can't participate in the outreach team and knock on doors. 
And uh, that's been a great way for us to meet people. That's more that um, meet a lot of people side of things. And so you, you meet them, uh, you gauge what their interest in church is, invite them to a Bible study, and majority of them you don't hear back from again. But there will be some that you hear back from, right? So meet a lot of people and, and see what open doors there are. Uh, so that one's been uh, working for us. Grimes and I think other communities have a thing called the Grimes Volunteer Support Services. Um, and so it's just a volunteer program that's meant to help uh, the elderly and the disabled be able to stay at home longer. And you can sign up to volunteer. And uh, when somebody has a need, they need to get to the doctor, they need their driveway shoveled, uh, you're on a list of people that they'll call. Uh, and especially the, the one driving people somewhere. Again, this is kind of a scenario where, you know, there'd have to be a day of the week where you're home or you're not working because it's, you know, it's kind of during business hours. But Man, what an opportunity to serve somebody in the community. Uh, you've got a conversation with them on the drive to and from. Uh, and so that's something that uh, came to mind as a possibility. Um, then, you know, you have simple platforms like inviting people to church with the plan of following up in conversation, right? So uh, sometimes we just make the first invite like, hey, you should come to this event or hey, you should come to church. But I would encourage you to, have, to, to bring it full circle and to have a plan afterwards. And then afterwards, let's get coffee. I'd love to follow up and see what you thought about our church. Um, you know, what did you think about the message? One of the reasons I always try to have a clear gospel message in my sermons is so that you can follow up with a guest that you invited. Say, hey, there was this part in the sermon where he talked about Jesus dying and rising again. Did you catch that? What did you think about that? Have you ever heard that before? Um, I just want to make it easy for you to have those conversations with the people you invite to church. Um, sports were mentioned. That's a great one. Uh, with neighbors, we went through the book, um, The Art of Neighboring, not too long ago, and I handed out these, and uh, I need to make a new one. I had all my neighbors filled in, and three of them have moved within the last year, so I have to, so because I wanted a new one, you all get a new one too. So here, this is for you to fill out with your neighbors, so you can start praying for them. There's a block of eight neighbors around your little house in the middle and uh, you write in their names and then you can start praying for them regularly and looking for opportunities uh, to share the gospel with them. So kind of a fun way. We, we keep ours on our fridge. Oh, thanks. We keep ours on our fridge. Uh, so we see it every morning when I make coffee. It's right there staring me in the face and I remember my neighbor's names and I pray for them uh, and it's a great way to keep that gospel focus. I don't know why I'm not doing this differently. Probably because I'm talking. And... All right. And any other ideas for platforms? Did everybody get one? I printed off plenty, so if you want more. All right. We have... Um, you know, this, this bookshelf in the back here, the whole top row are all evangelistic studies. Uh, and so, you know, if somebody's like, you're like, man, I want to know if they know the gospel, if they know what it means to be saved, but I don't know where to take them. I don't know what to say. Any one of those five studies across the top, grab one of those, take it with you. Let me know so I can restock it and pray for you as you do it. Um, but they're all free. Uh, take one with you from really simple all the way to Stranger on the Road to Emmaus, which is a, a long, in-depth study. Um, but all really beneficial for walking with people through the gospel. Even if you feel like you, you don't really know what to say or you're uncomfortable with it, studies like that can be super helpful too. So 
Um, all right, rushed through the end of that, but I just encourage you, think strategically in your life about how you can find a platform where you are regularly meeting unbelievers with the goal of building relationship so that you can share the gospel, okay? And uh, find some way in your life to do that. Um, I, think it's, I think it's part of our job as ambassadors to be doing that regularly. And of course, you've got those deep ones, friends, family, neighbors. Um, but, but I encourage you also to find a place where you can be meeting a lot of unbelievers and looking for those who are, are interested. So out of the 50 that you meet, you found one or two uh, that were open to the gospel. Um, and so try to think of that in, in both terms. All right, I went too long. I apologize for that. We'll go ahead and go straight to prayer. So find a few people nearby that you can pray with. Encourage you to pray about evangelism. Big surprise. And uh, any other requests that you have as well. Thanks so much for being here tonight. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit our website, mbcgrimes.org. May the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and to God be the glory.